Welcome to another edition of From the Preacher's Study. Uh, this is a study that we have been uh, conveying to you via podcast for quite some time now. Uh, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm with the Oak Mountain Church of Christ, and I, along with my colleague, brother, and preacher here, Bob Hutto, uh, have really enjoyed uh, studying together with you, and specifically in the book of Ephesians. Uh, we've enjoyed the opportunity to, to look at the things God has for us, the treasures that are in His Word. Specifically, we've been talking about this battle that we have against the forces of Satan, spiritual forces, uh, not looking so much at the flesh. We have a tendency to look short-sightedly, but we need to understand that behind those things, we have a spiritual force of darkness. And it's a spiritual force that we cannot meet unless we have the strength that resides in God. And so God is telling us, look, I've made these things available to you. You have uh, the truth that you can gird your waist with. You have righteousness that you can put on as a breastplate. You can shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You have uh, the sword of the Spirit, uh, you have the shield of faith. These are all things that God has given to us so that we're successful. And I like that because it means these things are accessible. Any one of us can have this. You don't have to be blessed with certain genetic traits. You know, some of us are faster than others and stronger than others and maybe quicker and, and memorize more and those sorts of things. Uh, but that's not the case with these things. These things are available to us. And how much we have of these things is really a matter of how much we spend with God's Word and in prayer and doing the sort of things that cultivate these things. So anyway, it, it's a really exciting study that we've been in. Uh, we want to thank, as always, uh, Jason and Mark, our deacons here, who help us put on this podcast. Absolutely, we would not be able to do this without their technical expertise. We appreciate them lending their talents and abilities uh, to us. And we appreciate you, the audience. Thank you for being interested in this study. Uh, as Bob has said many a times, we're just going through the Word of God. Uh, we're letting the text speak for itself. If a man speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. We believe the power is in the Word. And so that's what we're trying to highlight and exalt for us. Uh, Bob, you have any introductory oh, comments? A couple of things, uh, just by way of introduction. You know, we, we we don't know the personal challenges that everybody has. So sometimes we're speaking kind of generalities, hoping sure. that. But I would encourage people to think specifically about your own situation and your own life and your own temptations. And so, you know, take up the shield of faith. Mm -hmm. Okay, what particularly in my life mm -hmm. can I use that shield to, to mm -hmm. resist? You know, so think about specific issues or challenges that that you have we, we don't know those mm -hmm. uh, but uh, but but you do and so think in a specific way so if you have a problem with you know patience or something like mm -hmm. that uh, or anger okay think about that how how can how can what we're doing and talking about here help in that area and we kind of I, I kind of thought that I hope this provides a little bit of an oasis in a world mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. so caught up in so many <laughs> just so many things that are uh, you know they're they're not spiritual in right, nature right. and uh, they're uh, they cause a lot of distress and stress mm -hmm. in people's lives. We're not about those things. We're mm -hmm. we're about a study of God's word, right? And so we want to try to bring the word to the people and. Maybe this is a little bit of an oasis for people to come and get their mind off those things and study the Word, Amen. and that, that'll help them, I hope. Very much so. Well said. Well, let's uh, dive right back into it. So again, we were talking about the various pieces of the armor of God from Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, the last time, if you remember, we talked a lot about the breastplate of righteousness, and so the next in chronological order in terms of the Scripture itself would be verse 15. So let's just read that. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And remember, these pieces of armor are all designed to protect 
parts of the body that would otherwise be vulnerable to attack. And so uh, you have something for your head, the helmet of salvation. You have a breastplate to protect the lungs and the heart. And here we're talking about shotting your feet, putting something on your feet to protect them. And when you look at the phrase that's used with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and we, we've talked a little bit beforehand. This is a somewhat difficult passage to get a full handle on exactly what's being talked about. A couple points to make before we get into it. Uh, we know what the gospel is. That is the good news, the good news that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to this earth, lived as man, was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin, went to the cross, shed his blood, was raised three days later, and because of that great sacrifice that he made in his resurrection from the dead, we too can be cleansed of our sins and have the hope of eternal life. That is good news. Men can be rescued from sin. Men can be rescued from the clutches of Satan. We've talked about that in 2 Timothy 2, 24-26. So that's what the gospel is. Now notice it's the gospel of peace. And let's think about that. In what ways does the good news bring peace? Well, I can think of at least two different ways uh, that peace is brought, maybe three different ways. Uh, first of all, there's peace between man and God. We know from passages like Romans 5 that sin alienates us from God, so much so that he calls us as enemies. Isaiah 59, 1-2 through 2, talks about your sins have separated you from your God. So when we sin, we are alienated from God. The gospel brings peace between God and man. So we can come together and be one again, have the fellowship that God intended. But also there is peace between men in the sense that we are to live peaceably with all men, as Paul says in Romans 12, 17 through 18. Uh, once we have the gospel with us, we bring that to other people to bring peace in their lives. And I would also say that there's some internal peace that comes, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, Philippians chapter 4, uh, as we come to grips with who we are and what we are and have our spiritual self in, in good health. And so those are at least three different ways in which the gospel brings peace. Now, now let's think about it in this context, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, when I read this phrase, Bob, one of the first things I thought about was Romans chapter 10. And let's go over there and read that. Romans chapter 10, let's begin with verse 14. Romans 10 chapter verse 14 says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So there's our phrase again, the gospel of peace, and a reference to the feet of those. This is the idea that is very important to have in God's plan preachers, those who proclaim the gospel, those who bring the good tidings, those who explain the gospel message. And the feet of those who take the gospel and go throughout the world and spread that, those feet are precious because what are they doing? They're bringing that message. They're bringing that light to a world that's encompassed in darkness. And so there may be an aspect of that here, the idea that shodding your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace could be getting ready, getting prepared to take the gospel to others. And you don't have to be, I know this passage we look at Romans 10 really talks about preachers, but I think Ephesians 6 is a little broader than that. It wouldn't be limited to preachers. To some extent, all of us are called upon to bring the message to other people. You think about 1 Peter 3.15, that we have an obligation to give an answer to everybody who asks mm -hmm. the reason for the hope that is within us. First uh, Peter 2, 11 through 12 talks about that one of the reasons why we are converted to Christ is to proclaim the praises of him who rescued us from uh, the, the sea of darkness we were in. And so all of us have an obligation to bring the good news into the lives of the people that we work with, the people we go to school with, the people in our neighborhoods, the people all around us. And so, Bob, my sense is that it's talking about this idea of being prepared and ready 
to take the gospel okay. wherever your feet take you. But go ahead and expound upon that. Just to add to that, Philippians 1 verse 16, Paul says, I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so he's ready to, to defend the gospel whenever he, he's called upon to do it. Right. Uh, I thought this might be included in the idea as well. You know, shod your feet with the preparation that comes from the gospel of peace. And mm -hmm. so we embrace the gospel, we believe the gospel, mm -hmm. and that prepares us. The mm -hmm. gospel prepares us yeah. to fight off the, you know, the, the devil and, and his schemes. I like that. Galatians chapter 2 combines the gospel with the truth. And so mm -hmm. when we say, uh, you know, the gospel prepares you mm -hmm. to face the challenges of the devil, we're mm -hmm. really saying about the same thing that that's right. If we say the truth, prefer, which we talked about earlier, so right. Galatians chapter chapter two and verse fourteen, you know, this is this issue with Paul or mm -hmm. uh, when with Peter when he uh, separated himself from the Gentiles and wouldn't eat mm -hmm. with them. When I saw that they were not straightforward about the the truth, truth of the gospel, gospel. Yeah. now one thing to note about that is that this particular issue doesn't have to do with the, those basic elements of the gospel, uh, mm -hmm. death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. This is about your behavior That's a good point. As, as a Christian. And so they were not acting according to the truth of the, what the gospel right. has to say about how you relate to your brethren in Christ. Right. So the gospel includes more than just those fundamental facts. Yep. It, it really includes all of New Testament truth. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we... The truth prepares us. The gospel prepares us to fight off the devil. And, of course, we need to be prepared to take the gospel to those who, who need it. Amen. And so, like you said, uh, it, it may cover a wide range of, mm -hmm. of ideas. Mm -hmm. and I wanted to backtrack on something I said. I said 1 Peter 2, 11 through 12, but it's really 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. Let me read that. Yeah. Uh, it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I like this passage because it says, you know, you're special, you're set apart, but for a reason. What is the reason that you proclaim, you declare, you set forth, you talk about the praises of him who's that God who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so again, we have an obligation, every single one of us. Now, obviously there, there are some of us uh, that are going to be set apart to do maybe public teaching. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about here. We're talking about something that at some level, all of us can and should do. Uh, you know what you did to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so you're empowered to tell others that. It, even if you don't know some of the finer points, you can always bring in others to help you out. But all of us have an obligation to teach. I, I preach a lot of times, Bob, Christianity is a teaching religion. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes we can get to thinking that, well, as long as I live faithfully and I live morally and I live upright, that's enough. Matthew 5, 16, people see my good works and glorify my Father in heaven. And that's true, but that's only a part of it. You must teach. You must present the gospel to others. If all you do is live a good moral life, that's not sufficient. Why did Jesus come? Luke 19.10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. If we are in his church and we've been washed by his blood, we take on that same uh, directive. We also seek and save that which is lost. How do we do that? That's teaching. Right. And the, the church is a teaching institution. Yes. Uh, and so it... it it, it serves people, it does good works, of course, you know, but, but its, its function is to teach. And so mm -hmm. Peter, uh, Paul tells Timothy that the church is the pillar and ground mm -hmm. of the mm -hmm. truth. That's right. And so we support the truth. We're to defend the truth. We're to proclaim the truth. 
And so the church is a teaching institution. So here at Oak Mountain, that's what we do. We emphasize the teaching of the word. Try to, when I, you know, when I preach, I try to draw right. my sermons mm-hmm. from the word. In our Bible classes, we study from the word. Now we might yeah. study a topical, a topic, sure. and, but we're drawing from the word, mm-hmm. the passages that inform that, and you know, that inform that topic. And so it's, it's teaching the word. Amen. And so that we called to be the pillar and ground of the truth. That's what we're committed to doing. Very much so. And that kind of rolls right into it. I want to get into this somewhat. We're not going to do it justice, but we'll start it. Maybe we can take it up next time, uh, which is the next aspect. And that is verse 16 of this armor. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. I was doing a little bit of reading on this. And I think it was Johnson's notes in the New Testament. It was talking about the soldiers, the Roman soldiers, would have this huge shield. It's about four feet in size. Uh, as you can tell, that would cover a large portion of one's body and obviously a defensive uh, weapon. And so we are told to take on the shield of faith. The faith is likened to a shield that can defend against the darts of the wicked one. Who is that? That's Satan. And so a very important relationship here between our ability to resist temptation and our faith. And the more faith we have, the stronger that shield is going to be. Uh, and then so somebody asked, well, well, how do I get that faith? And how do I make that faith stronger? And how do I make it more impenetrable? Well, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you want more faith, you need to spend more time in God's word. That's why I've heard you several times say that we as Christians ought to be studying the word of God on a regular basis, ought to be on a daily basis. Because again, the more that we're exposed to that, that shield is going to be even stronger. And one mistake that we sometimes make is we think that faith is almost like uh, riding a bike. You learn how to ride a bike, and no matter what happens, you got it. You can go years and not ride it and get back on one, you have it. That is not the way faith is. Faith is not static. We see that all through the scriptures. A couple examples that come to mind. Think about Abraham, and, and he's a great example of faith, willing to sacrifice Isaac, notwithstanding the fact that it seems counterintuitive. How are you going to bring these promises through Isaac if I kill him? Hebrews tells us, he says, you know, God can raise him from the dead. Great faith. But he also lied about the status of his wife and called her his sister, not showing a lot of faith. A look at Peter, who makes the great confession, Matthew 16. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. He says, even if everybody else of the other disciples forsakes you, I will never forsake you. And then when he's in the courtyard around the servants, he denies Christ three times, even curses and is really, it fails in his faith. So what, do we, what does that tell us? Faith is not a one-time thing. It's not like tenure. It's not something you attain and then you just coast. You've got to constantly keep that fed. How do you do that? Again, the Word of God. The more time we spend with that. And here's what I've found, Bob. See if you agree with me on this. I have found the more that I am in God's Word, the more that I study the Word of God, I think about the Word of God, I meditate on it, it is harder for the devil to get a hold of me. It's easier for me to knock aside the temptations that come my way. So it's very true where it says here, you want to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one? Get that shield of faith. Yeah, that's right. I think that's right. You know, the more the more we're growing, the more we're focusing on our spiritual development, the less effect Satan's weapons will have against us. I thought about 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 faith, Hebrews chapter eleven, yes, verse one. Yes, faith is the yes. assurance of things hoped for, the the conviction of things not seen. I'm yes. reading New, New American Standard Bible. Conviction. Faith is conviction. Yeah. And so, if you have conviction, I, I'm I'm. Conviction is um, a, a, a dedication to an idea. I have a conviction 
you know, that I'm going to, that affects the way I act. And so if we, uh-huh. if we have a yes. conviction, yeah. this is true. This right. is what I'm committed to. Right. Well, that helps us not to waver. Yes. And yeah. so Paul, Paul talks about that in the case mm-hmm. of Abraham mm-hmm. uh, and Abraham's faith in Romans chapter mm-hmm. four, where he grew strong mm-hmm. in faith. Mm-hmm. He did not waver mm-hmm. in unbelief, but mm-hmm. grew strong in faith. Why? Mm-hmm. He believed God's promise mm-hmm. and was convicted. Yeah. And so uh, committed. He's yeah. committed to uh, living accordingly. And so that's, that's faith. Faith is conviction. Faith is assurance. Faith is commitment right. uh, to doing to doing God's will. And if we can make those commitments and have that conviction, well, then we can fend off those fiery darts that he's shooting at us. You know, and I know time is running out, so I'll make this quick. But one of the things I've thought about a lot, if you think about some of the things that we're called upon to do, some of the sacrifices we're called upon to make, whether it be the amount of money we're giving back to the Lord in the first day of the week, if it's helping uh, those that are needy, if it's taking stands in the workplace that may make us unpopular. There are a lot of things that we do that you just have to believe that there is a God and that there is heaven and there is life after death. and there's a job. Because if you don't have a real strong conviction on that, then Satan's going to say, why are you doing these things? It doesn't make sense. It's counterintuitive. And so in a very real sense, the more you believe that God exists, the more you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the more you believe that Jesus rose from the dead, then the easier it is for you to make these sacrifices that you're expected to make. Otherwise, if you're kind of on the fence, you're kind of like, I don't know if I'm going to give up that promotion. I don't know if I'm going to give up that job. I don't know if I'm going to miss to go to Bible study. You know, that's kind of costly. You've got to have that conviction that comes from faith. And you've got to make that decision before the moment of crisis comes. If you wait to the moment of crisis comes and then try to figure out whether you're a person (laughs) of faith or conviction, it's too late. You've got to decide beforehand. That's right. When I get in these times, when when I'm faced with these challenges, I am going to stand. Absolutely. And uh, that'll help us. As you preached recently, Daniel purposed in his heart not to use the king's delicacies. Well, let's bring it to an end. We really appreciate the time that you've spent with us. There's more to be said, and we'll pick this up uh, the next time around, as we always do when we end the podcast with a prayer. Brother Bob, would you lead us in that? Okay. Our Father in heaven, we're thankful that we can be uh, called your children. And, of course, we have that opportunity through, through your son, Jesus Christ. We're thankful that he came to this world that he lived among us as one of us, that he endured all the things that we endure. He was even tempted to sin. We understand, Father, that he resisted that temptation and offered himself as an unblemished sacrifice to make atonement for our sin. We're so thankful that he was willing to do that. We're sorry that our sin led him to the cross, but we're so thankful he was willing to go. We're thankful for the word that you've given to us, that you preserve for us, that it's accessible to us. We're thankful that in it we can read and understand what your will is. Help us, Father, in our own development of faith and truth and the gospel of peace, that that we will grow and grow stronger and stronger in these areas, that we'll become more and more the kind of people that you would have us to be. Help us, Father, to to apply these things to our lives in a very real way, to to think about specific temptations that we face or specific sins that we struggle with uh, on a a regular basis. Help us, Father, to use these principles that we've been talking about to overcome those challenges, those spiritual challenges that we face, so that we'll be more complete, more full-grown, more mature, in the faith. 
Our Father, we uh, are mindful of, of those who are sick and who are struggling. We ask your blessings on them. We ask you, Father, to go with us day by day, provide the things that we need. And Father, as we walk hand in hand with you through this life, we look forward to a home in heaven throughout all eternity in your presence. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.